Welcome to Intersection. When it comes to the oral health of Missourians, there's good news and bad news. While many Missourians still lack access to dental health care, the numbers of people getting some access to quality dental care are increasing. And there are some exciting initiatives that bring dental access to those who need it through innovative options like teledentistry. This week, KBIA producer Rebecca Smith talks with two providers on the forefront of the issue of oral health in Missouri. Here's their conversation. Hi, you're listening to Intersection, and this is a special from Missouri Health Talks. I'm Rebecca Smith, and today I'm joined in the booth by Gary Harbison, the director of the Missouri Oral Health Coalition, and Dr. John Dane, the state dental director. Hi, guys. Thanks so much for joining me today. Good morning. Hey, how are you doing? Great. So to start us off, why don't you guys just uh, tell us a little bit about your organizations and the work that you're doing? Well, the uh, I'm the state dental director. I work for the Department of Health and Senior Services, uh, it's an appointed position. We try our best to improve the oral health of Missourians. Great. So the Missouri Coalition for Oral Health is a nonprofit dedicated to improving the oral health of all Missourians through sound public policy and public awareness. And uh, we've worked on a variety of topics over the past uh, seven, eight years, and have had some uh, real movement forward, uh, reinstatement of adult dental benefits in Missouri Medicaid was probably the biggest thing we've done, but we've stimulated a lot of very important things, including the development of teledentistry that we're really excited about. It's kind of been a slow burn to date, but we're looking forward to a future where people have better access, especially in rural areas. So this is not the first time the two of you have been stuck in a booth with me. We actually sat down, I think it was right around three years ago, uh, to talk based around the uh, Missouri Oral Health Plan that was from 2015 to 2020. So we're obviously getting near uh, that 2020 to 2025 oral health plan. I know that you guys had mentioned that you're working on that now. Um, So we'll use that kind of as a guide again today. But before we dive into that, I was just hoping uh, one or both of you could kind of give us a, a quick update of how the oral health in Missouri among its population is doing. So we still have many, many challenges uh, with oral health. Statewide, our our numbers do not look great along just about any measurement that you can pull up. Uh, We have made a lot of progress. Adult dental uh, benefits and Medicaid started to shift the uh, service system. So we weren't relying on people going to emergency rooms. We've actually seen those numbers go down. That That's fantastic. That means a lot of people who had no alternative but wait until they were in pain and go to ER to get uh, painkillers, opioids, but the whole addiction issue that goes with that, and antibiotics are now going to much less expensive regular dental care and getting resolution of those of those issues. But we still have lots of access issues. We really don't have enough uh, capacity for uh, services, particularly in rural areas. And we have a lot of uninsured people that still find it uh, difficult to, to afford. And we have the overall issue, like everywhere in the country, a lot of people who are not currently having dental pain or real clear dental issues tend to think about dental as sort of this extra thing. I'll just worry about that later. And, of course, that is not the way to manage it. It, uh, Oral health is integral to overall health. And if you let it go, you're going to have a chance over time of also having your physical health deteriorate. So uh, we we still have lots and lots of uh, challenges, but we've made progress. 
one of the things that we've done recently um, is we've redone um, a survey of all the third graders across the state of Missouri. Uh, it was done in a randomized fashion, which means we can compare our data in Missouri to other states that have done similar projects. Um, the last one that was completed here in Missouri was 2010, uh, which is a big gap. And the changes that we've experienced since then is probably not going to be relevant. But I can tell you some of the things that I can't that we did find in our survey. And this was just finished, completed just, a couple weeks ago. Just finished. We got our initial data run done, and so this is our first data brief. So you're you're getting it hot off the press. <laughs> so. One of two-thirds of the third grade, one of two third grade kids in the state of Missouri have history of tooth decay. So that's 55% of those kids. That's high, but we're better than the United States. The average across the United States is 62%. So it's one positive thing that we can point to. Um, more than a quarter of Missouri's third grade children, 29%, have untreated tooth decay, and that's five percentage points higher. National average is 22%. Um, three of 10 third grade children in Missouri have protective dental sealants on permanent molars. That's lower than the national average of 42%. However, 2014, based on the data we had available at that time, we were at 27%. So we've made a couple percentage points increase. Right. You know, um, disparities in oral health still exist across Missouri. If you're a minority child, if you're living in a rural community, if you're lower income, you have difficulty accessing dental care. And your decay experience and untreated tooth decay is higher than the rest of the population in Missouri. What can people glean from a data brief like this? What is it about uh, information about, like, let's say, third graders? What does that show us about the whole population of Missouri? Well, it's important because... First of all, like I said, it's a standard age group. And the mm -hmm. reason it's a standard age group is that's usually the age where kids are losing their baby teeth, getting their permanent teeth. They have their permanent six-year molars in. And so you know that you've kind of got a, a set of kids here that are going to have all the problems. <laughs> you still have the, the problems of having some baby teeth that may still have decay. You've got some problems of whether or not they've had uh, – permanent teeth sealed and whether or not they've already got decay in those permanent teeth. Okay. And so kind of uh, almost a predictor of mm. adult There's issues no that they could right. still continue to have. Mm. Um, you know, the data, the data gives us perspective and I think the data tells us a story. It tells us we've made some progress, uh, but we've got lots and lots of things to do. And that story about adults having problems that are, that were kids that didn't get the services they need. I mean, that's, that's very important. And I think it, it, that sort of information invites us to think a little bit more long term. What do we want to do as a, as, a, as a state? What kind of legacy do we want to have? Do we want to have a legacy where we know all these kids are going to come up and grow into adults with lots and lots of oral health problems? I believe and we believe uh, as a coalition that we can do better than that. And we should do better than that. Uh, you know, state pride. Let's think about that a little bit. And uh, Get, get ramped up and, and make sure these kids get what they need and, and they go into adulthood with a, you know, a good, good chance of having good oral health and good overall health. 
This is Intersection. KBIA producer Rebecca Smith is talking with Missouri Oral Health Coalition Director Gary Harbison and the state's dental director, John Dane. They're talking about the importance of oral health to overall health and why going to the dentist isn't extra. You can see more on this conversation at kbia.org. We're going to be looking at two other groups, a basic screening survey on persons with disability. Uh, That'll probably be a three-year project because just getting these individuals into a location or situation where you can do a screening is a little more difficult than capturing third graders. Um, and then we're going to, we're starting our older adult screening survey. We're just in the beginnings of that. There's a lot of planning and preparation to do that. And we'll be serving nursing home residents and older adults at congregate meal sites that they go to that are run by the uh, area associations and aging. Interesting. Um, now, to revisit something you mentioned in this data brief about the sealants, how we are lower than the national mm-hmm. average on childhood sealants. I know that we had a sealant grant, I believe it was, yes. that we had out, and I was wondering if you could kind of give us uh, an update on how that went, because is it getting near completion now? Right. The um, Delta Dental of Missouri funded a three-year project with us. Uh, we just finished up our final report because the it ended the first of august uh and uh just in summary we did about thirty-two thousand dental sealants over the period of the three years uh fourteen thousand plus kids were seen and got dental sealants and based on what delta dental pays for uh a single surface restoration we saved saved them approximately three and a half million dollars Wow, that's quite a significant amount of money. What does mm-hmm. that show you? I mean, what is kind of, are there legislative goals of how to use this data or? Well, as far as the sealant project is concerned, there's not really any legislative goals there. But uh, the three of the four contractors that we had, two were county health departments. One was a nonprofit hospital in Kansas City. Another was a health center in Springfield. They didn't have difficulties finding kids that met the criteria that needed sealants. Uh, so while we've done all this, we've had an impact on it, we could go back next year and do the same because as kids come through the system, they're still not getting sealants. And sealants have been shown to reduce the restoration rate or the treated carries rate by up to 80%. Yeah. And so that means less issues with uh, cavities Mm -hmm. in the future for that kid, more likely to maintain dental health in adulthood. And also, you know, for the child, they're not going to run into that uh, pain that goes with having cavities. And we know that kids go to school, if they're they're having pain, they're not paying attention like like the rest of us do when we have dental pain. So basically overall quality of life improvement from something simple Mm -hmm. and I believe relatively inexpensive as compared to to like restoration of a tooth. Even at full fee at a dental office, uh, a sealant will cost you about $40 uh, if you're paying for it out of pocket. But a single surface restoration can cost you $150. Well, I want to transition to something that's been a big issue 
impact in Missouri over the last couple of years. I know we've talked about this a couple of times already. Dr. Dane and Gary, you mentioned this a little earlier, but that's our adult uh, dental Medicaid benefit. So to start us off, I was wondering if you could kind of give us a refresher as to uh, before January 2016, what was the status of Medicaid benefits for adult dental care? Um, Medicaid did not cover adults for dental services, with the exception of folks in a nursing home, blind, or pregnant. They had limited benefits then for people who had trauma and might be on chemotherapy, but uh, that was only a very small percentage of the adult population out there. And what was the consequence of that for the state? Well, we had individuals who were in pain. They knew if they had Medicaid, if they showed up at the emergency room, the folks in the emergency room had to do something for them. Emergency rooms did not and still don't have dentists working in emergency rooms. And so the physician would evaluate the uh, patient in pain, determine make sure that they don't have some systemic problem, give them a prescription for antibiotics and pain medication, and tell them to call their dentist in the morning. Uh, what was happening is those folks then would have a week or two of little or no pain, and they have plenty of time to go to the dentist, but they couldn't get to the dentist before. So they're still not going to the dentist. And two weeks later or three weeks later, when it happens to flare up again, they go back to the emergency room. So that obviously adds to costs, right? Sure. You mentioned EDs, emergency departments aren't necessarily um, capable of really dealing with oral health pain. So, uh, and so I know it was a legislative effort of, um, of of both of yours to get through this adult Medicaid benefit. I believe it was back in 2016 that it went into effect. That's right. Yeah, actually, uh, the legis leg Missouri legislature listened to this very quickly. They saw the... Uh, pretty heavy use of emergency rooms for uh, untreated dental conditions as kind of the canary in the coal mine indicating an inefficient uh, healthcare system and, and very much were interested in doing something about that. And uh, it was put back in, made effective in May of 2016, retroactive to, to January. And so, I mean, kudos to the Missouri legislature for uh, making a policy change. And because we have Dr. Dane in, uh, in his position, this is where data becomes very important. We can actually see the impact of that. We can see that ER usage has dropped way off. Um, we can see that opioid prescriptions are also going down because people getting opioid uh, medications at ERs for dental pain and coming back, that's a bad thing, and it, it contributed uh, to, to opioid addiction in the state, which we all know is a, is a huge, huge problem. So we have worked with the folks at MoHealthNet to look at the Medicaid claims data for ER usage, and we use the diagnoses for non-traumatic dental appointments, and it's a... Which means no broken teeth, yeah, no... No bleeding, no, okay. no fractured jaws. It's just there's a multiple of about 60 different codes that it could be, and we search all of them. Uh, what we can show you is that in January of 2015, that level versus January of 2019, uh, the Medicaid claims data shows a 47% drop. And I, I can't emphasize how 
unusual it is to know that quickly that a policy change had an impact like that and how unusual it is that a policy change, especially one involving money, uh, clearly had a positive impact on the healthcare system. It, it is a, it, it's a tremendous success to, to hear those numbers. You're listening to a conversation on oral health and access to good dental health care in Missouri with Gary Harbison. He's the director of the Missouri Oral Health Coalition and state dental director John Dane. They joined KBIA producer Rebecca Smith in our studios for this edition of Intersection. Now back to the conversation. So if you're just joining us, this is Rebecca Smith from Missouri Health Talks doing a special intersection today on the current status and the future of Missouri oral health care. I'm sitting in the booth with Dr. John Dane, the state dental director, and Gary Harbison, the director of the Missouri Oral Health Coalition. Once again, guys, thanks so much for joining me today. I want to move us into um, kind of an access issue that I would say is ubiquitous across the medical spheres, but that is number of providers that exist. I know we've talked a little bit already today about the fact that not everyone is able to access dental benefits. People may have to travel a couple of counties. I know we have numerous counties in the state that don't have a dentist within its borders. And so I was wondering if you guys could kind of uh, give us an overview of what access to oral health care to dentists and qualified care looks like and what are some of your uh, policy uh, positions or things you're working on at the moment to try and remedy that that lack of access? Sure. Well, uh, Dr. Dane probably has more to say about this, but we are uh, most of our counties in Missouri are designated as dental professional shortage areas, um, and so that sounds kind of abstract. But in reality, uh, if you live in a rural area in Missouri, you are going to have some challenges getting uh, access to dental care. Added to that, that people, uh, it's not just a pro- where are the providers and how can you get to them, but there's an uh, affordability issue for many, many people in Missouri, even people with insurance. It's, it's, uh, it is a cost that a lot of people uh, can't afford. Um, providers uh, tend to, uh, all types of providers, including dental providers, tend to congregate around urban areas. There's lots of paying patients in urban areas with with good insurance coverage. So when you look at the Missouri map, you, you can see that for dental providers. They, they tend to be in uh, sort of the Columbia, Jeff City area, St. Louis, Kansas City, Springfield, and then the whole outlying state. You've got a, got, a big, uh, got a big issue there going on. One of the things we're pressing on now uh, is the whole uh, issue of uh, teledentistry. Um, we think that will uh, help as providers come to that technology, that that will help to increase access in rural areas. I have to say this idea seems really foreign to me, right? I mean, I'm familiar with a lot of telehealth. I see how video or photo or those sorts of things would work. But when I think of dentistry, I think of someone with their hands in my mouth. And I'm I'm wondering if you can maybe explain a little bit of what that teledentistry model even looks like. I'll give it it a whack, and then the expert can come in here (laughs) and... uh, And correct it, but uh, yeah, I think I think immediately when uh, people hear teledentistry, they kind of react that way. They're like, "What? What does that mean?" Well, teledentistry is really based on what's called store and forward technology. So, if you think about your your regular uh, visit to to a dentist office, you're going to go in and spend a lot of time with the hygienist. 
there's going to be x-rays taken. There's going to be a cleaning done and information collected on the condition of your teeth and your mouth. And that will still happen under teledentistry. So it's the hygienist that goes out at a remote location and, and does that and collects all that information. And that is, you know, the store and forward part is the dentist can look at that later and then determine if we need to set up a treatment plan for certain uh, dental conditions. Um, the great thing about that is we don't have enough dentists in the rural areas in particular. We have, even in the urban areas, we have specialized areas like nursing homes that, that are not getting enough access. So you could send a hygienist into these places. You could even work with a community, which we hope to be doing, to figure out what would be the best place that would really work for us here that we could have a, a hygienist come in and set these services up. And then if you do need dental treatment, you still have transportation issues because the dentist is still not in your community, but you're dealing with that trip, not multiple things so much. So did I, did I do a pretty good job, Dr. Dan? Yes, you did. The uh, key to this is the dental hygienist. And under the current Dental Practice Act, dental hygienists have to work under a certain level of supervision with a dentist. Teledentistry allows that supervision to follow the hygienist into a facility. But it, we have the shortage of dentists in the state of Missouri. We have a little bit of a surplus of dental hygienists that we could perhaps use those extra bodies in places of high need, like a nursing home or a rural school setting, things like that. And we also, the other thing about dentists is many of them are reaching retirement age. There have been some media stories about, you know, the town where the guy's been the dentist for 40 years and he wants to retire and there's nobody to take his practice over. Um, it's it's, a, it's a, a problem we're going to see more of in the future until a dentistry holds the promise of maybe helping us bridge the gap. Yeah. Dr. Dan, are you seeing this as well? I mean, I know Certainly. you were we, a practicing mm, dentist and you're... You know, <laughs> we, we see this virtually all the time. We were, I was at a meeting uh, two weeks ago and we were discussing the same thing, that there's a couple of towns that have had a dentist there for 45 years and nobody's interested in taking over Doc Smith's practice and Doc Smith's getting into his 70s. And so he doesn't, number one, he doesn't work as many days a week and he doesn't do as much when he's there. Um, the uh, effort to get young dentists into the more rural areas is very difficult. Uh, if you're graduating from dental school today, you may have as much as two hundred and fifty to $300,000 worth of student loan debt. And paying that off is your number one job. Uh, you can't get a, a big mortgage for a house because you've got this debt. Uh, buying a dental office and setting up uh, a practice, which again will run you another $300,000, uh, most banks aren't going to be willing to do that. Uh, it's problematic. And so we don't have many locations in rural areas that are set up for young dentists to go in there. Now, one of the things we have done is we've worked with Delta Dental of Missouri again to expand the number of student loan repayment grants to dentists. And 10 young dentists this last year were identified 
as qualifying for that. So we have 10 dentists that got the student loan repayment, but that's $25,000 a year to work in an, with an underserved population. So that's dent, but it's certainly not solving the problem. There are hopefully more than 10 young dentists coming into uh, the world of dentistry in Missouri if we're seeing <laughs> large yes. numbers of people mm. getting ready to retire. And that's one of the things that's also improved. Uh, the UMKC School of Dentistry has expanded their class size. Uh, the uh, Missouri School of Oral Health uh, is also graduating 50. Um, there's going to be a new dental school opening in Joplin in the next two years. Uh, that's going to be sponsored by the uh, University of Health Sciences School of Osteopathic Medicine in Kansas City. Wow. Uh, I'm glad you pulled that off. <laughs> <laughs> I want to revisit something really quickly um, using your expertise as a dentist. Um, but, you know, Gary, you mentioned with teledentistry, you have a hygienist in the environment. You're getting a cleaning. You're getting a screening. You're getting your x-rays, all these things taken care of. And from there, you can set up a care plan. Now, if someone can't at that point afford or travel to a, a care plan, are there still benefits of people having regular cleanings? Yes, there are, uh, particularly in the nursing home population. Um their biggest issue is gum disease or periodontal disease. Uh, having your teeth cleaned on a regular basis uh, helps with improving your periodontal health. That helps reduce the number of mobile teeth. Uh, one of the problems that happens with the elderly and frail elderly is something called aspiration pneumonia. And there have been several studies that have identified large chunks of tartar and loose teeth that have been aspirated into people's lungs that have set up a pneumonia, which can eventually you know, kill you if you have an aspiration pneumonia. So um, just having the hygienist there to do the regular cleaning and evaluation of these folks is a major step forward. Uh, getting a hygienist into a school-based setting, for instance, uh, provides dental sealants. We can do the examinations, x-rays, and those kids uh, may have a little bit better luck getting transported because the school may step in and provide transport to the dental office. And and I think a frame to put around teledentistry is it, it shifts the system more in the direction of preventive care rather than treatment after a disease process has, has started because ca cavities are a disease. People are, don't think of them that way, but that's, that's a, a disease and it's an avoidable disease and teledentistry helps get that all those preventative services out in the community where where people need them and that's that's what we want well thank you guys so much this has been dr john dane the state dental director and gary harbison the director of the missouri oral health coalition thanks so much for joining us today on intersection this has been a special from missouri health talks i'm rebecca smith thanks so much for listening was KBIA's Rebecca Smith talking with Missouri State Dental Director John Dane and Gary Harbison, Director of the Missouri Oral Health Coalition. That's it for Intersection this week. 
Intersection producers are Sydney Steele, Bill Finn, and Olivia Love. And special thanks to Rebecca Smith for producing this conversation. You've probably heard Rebecca Smith's conversation series, Missouri Health Talks. Lots more conversations about health in Missouri are available there at kbia.org. Thanks for joining us.